So as I share this morning, I feel like this is a message. Um, you ever you ever gone to one of those quarter machines and got the sticky hands? Oh, well, I guess I probably dated myself. It's probably a dollar machine now, where you stick a quarter in and and you get a, a, a one of those sticky hands. You know, and those things were fun. It's like the those are a blast. I, I used to love those. You know, you'd see, you'd stick them and see how far you could stick it, and then you'd watch it like tumble down and stuff like that. And so it would. But I feel like this is a message that is kind of like a sticky hand message. It's something that I think we need to throw on the. If if I can use this illustration, throw a sticky hand on our heart today, and I think that's what this is going to be. It's a it's a message that I think you know. So there ought to be a lot of amens, because that's how you get amens as a pastor, as a preacher, is I say stuff that you already know and agree with. Amen. Thank you. Gosh, that was such an easy cue, and only a couple of you got it. That's okay. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? Yeah. Because whenever the preacher says something that's a little gritty and I don't really like, I mean, who's amen in that stuff? Like nobody, yeah, it's like, oh, you're hiding your head and saying, oh, no. So in Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 20, this is a, a Jesus is um, he's having a conversation, and this is a conversation because it, it stems from, from some of the religious people of the day. They actually are asking Jesus a question. They said, hey, Jesus, you know, this is well into his ministry, um, almost to the end of it. And he says, when is the kingdom of God going to come? When is the kingdom of God going to come? And I'd like to share a video. I won't share it this week because, uh, and maybe we'll share it between Stephen and I, maybe in the following week. It's, it's a great little, it's the Bible Project puts out on just the, the whole understanding of the kingdom of God that as Jesus, ri- Jesus arrives on the scene, the, the, the culture that existed was, a, was literally expecting something different than what Jesus brought. Jesus brought a kingdom that was not expected. A kingdom that was from that it was talking about ruling from within. God ruling from within a man's heart, a woman's heart, a child's heart from within with making outward evidence of that that kingdom, the God's rule in that person's heart. Well, they weren't looking for that. They were looking for a king, a Jewish king, a Hebrew king that would come and regain their 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 rule their their in the world and so they were looking for something different so they asked Jesus this question when is the kingdom of god going to come and so he gives them the answer that of course they weren't looking for but it's the answer that we now look at and we actually look at and we say yeah duh that's what's actually happening and that's what's been happening for now 2000 years is this kingdom that god that Jesus brought is different than the kingdom that the hebrews we're looking for at that time. And so this is, this is why it's one of those, it's, I really think of it like almost a sticky hand message. So listen to this. So Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. A lot of translations, some will say with careful obs- observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. As though there it is over here or there it is over there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. So this is something that is, that is such a different understanding for, for, for these folks at this time. 
Because Jesus is making it very clear, he's making it very clear to us, to them, and to us, that the kingdom of God is internal. It's internal. And that which is internal is eternal, right? We talked about this last week, where, where we talked about that which is seen is temporary, and that which is unseen is eternal. So he's talking, he's getting right into the heart again. And Jesus has a real good knack at doing that, getting into the heart, the motive of the heart, what they were thinking. So he's saying, basically he's saying, he says it point blank. It's not something that you're going to see or observe or find somebody coming riding on a big old massive horse or elephant or whatever it is and with, 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 a, with a crown and that which was that they're going to be with their army. Instead, it's that work inside of you. That's what the kingdom of God is. And, and it's at hand. It's right here. In fact, some of the uh, translations translate that, that wording differently. Instead of saying the kingdom of God is within you, some, uh, a lot of them will say the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is among you. And, but the New King James translation translates it within you. They're all saying the same thing because that's what's happening. That's what's taking place. That's what is taking place today. So when we talk about this, I'm just going to ask a question. And then we'll talk about it and we'll have a nice little discussion, I hope. Very encouraging discussion today, I believe. What does this internal kingdom of God look like in your life? Super simple question. There's no wrong answer, or maybe there is. Oh, I just threw you off. Now you're like, no, I ain't raising my hand now. <clears throat> what does this internal kingdom of God look like in your life? I'd like to open up. I'd like to give an answer, what I think it looks like. It, um, In my life? Sure. No, let's, let's point at your life. I'm just kidding. No. My life, our life as a Christian, your life, my life, as we look at our lives, what does the internal kingdom of God look like in my life? I think it looks like this. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a vague answer, but I think it, it, it's the answer that I think actually it looks like. It's a life of continuous, humble repentance. Continual, humble repentance. In fact, I, I think that we could easily say that the primary or the number one evidence of a born-again, spirit-filled child of God is a life that consists of continuous, humble repentance. Jesus said it like this. He says, well, in, uh, in Matthew 4, 17, actually this is what, what Matthew wrote, and he says, from that time Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You hear what he's saying there? For the kingdom of God within you, the kingdom of God that we are now walking in, the kingdom of God that is now in your midst, 
requires repentance. Now, why do I add the little, uh, I guess it would be an adverb, humble, to repentance? Is that right, Robin? Adjective? Why would I add that to repentance? I think because you can't have repentance without humility. I don't think you can repent without being humble. Have you ever known when somebody, have you ever tried to repent without being humble? Well, let's talk about what repentance is. Maybe we need to know what that means. Right? Hello? Okay, yeah. All right, I got, I got some good stuff. This is, this is, uh, this is uh, class time. You guys ready? Ready to go to school? They're like, no, not till mid-August. And even then, they still won't be ready. There's a couple things that show us what repentance is and actually, actually prove the point that repentance is an internal work of God in our lives. First of all, it's, I think it's just simply the word. There's a couple things that show us that repentance is an internal change of mind and heart. Rather than, listen to this, rather than just simply a mere sorrow for your sin or even what I think a lot of uh, uh, do-gooders or, or clubs or e- even what's real popular in church today is, is an improvement of your behavior. Let's bring that into focus because the, the word that we use for repentance, it stems from a Greek word. The Greek word is metaneo. Did I say it correct, anybody? Metaneo. Metaneo. Pop it up, Michael. You know what it is. Listen, it, 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 has, it has a... Never mind. That's all right. Yeah, he was back there chit-chatting. Huh? M-A-T... Or no, M-E-T-A-N-O-E-O. It's a Greek word. And it has, it has two parts to the Greek word that, that we need to look at and focus on because I think it, it points to the point that we're making this morning. Um, the, first, the, fir- the, uh, the second part... I'll, I'll start with the second part. Noeo... Metanoio, metanoio. There we go. Boy, you can almost write a song about that one. Metanoio. <laughs> Keep preaching. Don't don't sing. Okay. Metanoio refers to the mind and its thoughts, its perceptions, its dispositions, and and its purposes, or the mo- it's the motives of the mind's heart. That's a lot, isn't it? Noeo. That's saying a lot. Basically, you, 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 it's, it's the mind, it's perceptions, it's dispositions, it's even the motives of a mind's heart. Your mind does have a heart, by the way. It's called your motive, the motive in your mind. The first part of the word meta is a, is a prefix that means movement or change. So it's, it's a movement or change of the heart's mind and thoughts and perceptions. Do you understand that, right? Repentance. It's actually moving to change. It's, it's doing more. So it's, it's speaking to so much more than just being sorry. You ever dealt with your, your child or your husband, for that matter, that when they just blow it, you know, and they just come to you, it's like, well, I'm sorry. Like, well, okay, well, what did you do? I don't know, but I'm sorry. Right? 
Like, I, and, and so there's this, it's like, well, what are you going to do about it? I don't know. I'm sorry. It's like, see, there's, there's, there's no repentance taking place because all we're doing is we're just sorry we got caught. Sorry that I sinned. Sorry that I did wrong. So what repentance actually is doing, it moves us. It moves us to changing our mind, changing our perceptions, changing even our very motives of our very heart. It's altering that thing. So it, it requires something. It requires a movement in us and through us. Do you understand this? So that's why it requires absolute humility. Because in our pride, we will not repent. Hello? I should have got a hearty amen with that one. In our pride, we will not repent. Because it's not my fault. It's your fault that I treated you that way. Right? How many of you ever walked in a room and somebody got mad at you for not saying hi to them? Isn't that awesome? The irony of that makes you laugh. It's like, well, I'm in the room, you're in the room. You didn't say hi to me. But I'm mad at you because you didn't say hi to me first. It's your fault that I'm mad at you because you didn't see me to say hi to me. Wow, you got some issues. Anyway, I don't know where that one came from. That was building up for a while. Let's move on. So repentance is movement of the mind. It's, it's changing. It's an altering. It's, a, it's something that actually takes place inside of you. And that's what Jesus is referring to when he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. For the kingdom of God is within you. Something is taking place. Now that Jesus has arrived on the scene, something is taking place inside of us. Amen. Amen. And that something is the Holy Spirit that's moving inside of us, that's altering our entire mindset, our, our entire behavior, our, our thinking, our motives, our heart's passions. And so this is the kingdom of God working in us and through us. It's not something that we, we attain from being like good or right or learning all the right lessons or, 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 or participating in all the right catechisms or something that you needed to do that says if you do this and that, then you'll be right with God. No, it's, he's saying, no, it's, it's inside of you guys. It's inside of you. And I know this is, a, it, like I said, it's a sticky hand. It's like, yeah, I know that. But we need to remember this. It's kind of like with the, the song that we sang this morning about, you know, to, to be reminded that we're a promise and a great big possibility, so much that God is, sees inside of us something that's so much different than we see inside of ourselves, that we see ourselves. Let's remind, us of, remind ourselves of these truths on a regular basis, that there's, there's, there's a real, live, living God that's moving inside of me, moving inside of you. And that's such great news. That's really great news. So the basic meaning of repent is to experience a change of the mind and heart's perceptions and dispositions and purposes. See, and then we see Jesus, he takes it a little bit farther. We see Jesus take it farther and deeper in a conversation that he has, again, with some religious leaders who are touting their heritage, their heritage. I'm, I am a Jew. I'm a Hebrew. As 
though that was sufficient for being right with God. In Luke chapter 3, verse 8, he, he actually challenges them and he gets right in their face and he says, your heritage re really means absolutely nothing to God. And this is, this is a, this, this threw them so far because to them it meant everything. It meant everything. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, what really has meaning is for you to bear fruit. Luke chapter 3 verse 8 is for you to bear fruit that keeps with repentance. In other words, that which you are claiming to be needs to have evidence behind it. There needs to be something that backs that up. If you are claiming to be a follower of God, then you should do the things that God says to do. And it just, boy, it just, woo, it throws up this whole conversation and he gets into that with them. And then he gives examples of, of this fruit because they even ask. So, so this was so challenging because he just basically just undercut the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and said, no, it doesn't matter about what your heritage is, your lineage is. In other words, if we were to apply this, we, you, you could easily come and say, well, I've been a Christian all my life. I've been going to church all my life. And Jesus said, well, let me see the evidence in your actual life. Hello? Right? Do you love people? Do you care about people? Are you compassionate towards people? Or are you just sitting there touting? It's like, I got a parking space at the church, special one for me, because I've been going there a long, long, long time. Right? Oh, did, did that get a little too gritty? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Was just, yeah. <laughs> Alphonse is looking at me like, what is that all about? Like, oh, you'd be surprised. Maybe not. So in this conversation with them, in fact, uh, let me pop it up in my Bible. Luke chapter 3, started, as he asked this, he, uh, the crowds asked him, what then, so he, well, let me go back, let me go back. So come back with me, guys. Uh, so as he under, undercuts the, the religious leaders, then the crowd around him are saying, well, hey, what do we do? I mean, they, they, they were really intrigued by this because here's, l l l let's lay it out. Like, here's what happens. Jesus comes on the scene and he's saying, no, all, your, all that stuff that you think that you think that gets you right with God isn't really what gets you right with God. It's the kingdom of God that's at hand that, is, that I'm going to tell you is, requires repentance. Repent, therefore, the kingdom of God is at hand. And let me show you what it looks like. Because now the crowds are looking and they're asking, it's like, well, if they're not right with God, then what do we have to do? What is the requirement to get right with God? So they're looking and they're asking Jesus this very question. And he just, he makes it so simple. He makes it so simple from what they were asking. And it, it, it's kind of neat because the ones that ask this other question, he's, he'll, he'll get right to the heart and say, no, that's not really what you're asking. But these folks, they ask the question, what do we do? And Jesus answers them rightfully. And he answers them. So I, here's something that is a little note. If you ask Jesus the right question with the right attitude of your heart, he will answer you as you're asking. Amen. That's good news. Because they say, what do we do? And he says, hey, it's simple. If you have two hats and somebody needs a hat, give them your hat. If you have two coats and your neighbor is cold, 
give them your coat. If you have enough to help somebody walking down the street that is in need, help them that are in need. And then he even takes it a little farther and some of the tax collectors, these were the evildoers of the day. What do we do? What do we do? He said, quit stealing from those people. Quit robbing them blind and give back. Be honest. Be honest. Be genuine. Be helpful. Quit stealing. Instead of stealing, why don't you help somebody? And then there's actually some soldiers, some Roman soldiers that are around. And they ask him, because they're a part of this crowd too. And they say, well, hey, what do we do? What do we do? I mean, it's, this is awesome. That's happening right in, front of, right in front of Jesus. And we got it recorded, and it's excellent. And he gives them a simple answer. He says, don't extort people. Don't take advantage of your position of other people because you carry a sword or yield a gun, in our case. Be kind. Be genuine. Be honest. Do what's right. Don't take advantage of people. I mean, isn't this great news? It's like they're asking, what do we do? What does repentance look like? What does it look like? Remember, that's what I asked, right? What does it look like in my life? And all those things that Jesus said absolutely 100% required humility. Because a soldier was a soldier. And they were to be respected. And if you did not respect a soldier, they made you respect them. And Jesus is saying, don't force that on people. Don't force that on people. Be kind. And the tax collectors, they had a duty to do. They had a job. It was their job. It was their job to collect more taxes than what they were supposed to. It was expected of them by the world to be this way. And Jesus says, don't be that way. Be different. Be different. And that required humility. Because now they were, instead of being looked at as somebody that was needed to be respected, Jesus saying, no, just do what's right and let God provide for you. Let God honor you. And he takes it all the way from the top to down to the smallest. If you just have an extra coat, just an extra coat to give to somebody, give it to them. That's awesome. So that's what it looks like. I love that, that he gives it laid out for us. This what I believe this is what it means. And this is what happens inside of us. And this is what leads, when re, uh, humble repentance leads to the fruits of the Spirit. We want to make the fruits of the Spirit something funky and something odd and something weird that we attain by being some like, woo, you know, funky dancer or something. I don't know. And he's saying, no, do it every day. Do it every day. Care for those right in your midst. I believe that that's what Jesus is demanding. He's demanding that we, that we not only experience this inward change, but we obey it. We walk in it. There's actual movement that takes place, right? Again, hey, you guys with me still? Yes. Sticky hand. It's sticking. I'm just throwing it, okay? 
Let's see where it sticks. And I know it's going to kind of like walk down. You need to, to restick it tomorrow. That's okay. We need to restick this regularly. It's, I believe it's the inward change by the power of the Holy Spirit that the fruit of good deeds comes from. So repentance for the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Let's stick this on the, our hearts over and over and over again. It's the fruit of the Spirit that actually comes from a humble, repentful heart. Amen? Amen. So let me uh, carry on here for just a few more minutes. Take it a little bit farther. Because I, I genuinely believe that this move that we make towards the kingdom of God, seeking God first, the kingdom of God first, absolutely needs to 100% involve humble repentance. I believe it's what keeps us, keeps us in the correct lane of kingdom living more than any other thing. Humble repentance keeps us in the correct lane more than any other thing. In Jeremiah 31, 31, that's where we, uh, Hebrews 8 quoted from Jeremiah 31, 31, and that's, uh, we read this and we talked about it last week, but I didn't really get into the details of it because it's, it was, I just kind of like read over it, but it's, it's involving the new covenant that Jeremiah 31 refers to is that the new covenant I will bring. So there's no longer, and there's a phrase in there that I, that I, I think I want to hit on today for just a moment. The phrase is, no longer will a man require to teach another man, but instead they will all know me, because I will do what? I will write my laws on their... Oh, thank you. There it is. Where is it at? I will write it on their hearts, and I will put my laws within them. I will be their God, they will be my people, and no longer will... They need to teach, a, a, a neighbor will no longer need to teach his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. I just jumped to the middle of that, but leave that up there, Michael, please, for a minute, because it's, it's a great uh, reminder. But isn't this saying what, what we're saying this here this morning, and it, it's the sticky hand truth of, I think the new covenant, the new covenant is internal. It's an internal covenant, correct? Now, one thing I want to highlight here is, is this isn't a license to say, who are you to tell me what to do? That's not what he's saying there. Do you hear me? Did you hear me? That's not a license to say, who are you to tell me what to do? What he's encouraging us to know is this very real truth that God, the Holy Spirit, is the one that is going to actually change us and alter us. How many of you are changed because somebody told you you needed to do this, this, and that? No, most of us aren't. I'm going to be honest. No, I, maybe I didn't ask that correctly. How many of you have changed your behavior because somebody disapproved of it? Man, I'm asking it wrong because you guys are all raising your hands. 
Let me see how I can ask this again. Okay. When somebody tells you, you need to straighten up and fly right, what do you want to do? Yes. Yes. Because you see, that's an external covenant. That's an old covenant that you need to do this, 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 and that. And God is saying, no, what actually, what is going to actually stick and cause something to change inside of you is the inside part. When God does it and he does this internal surgery inside of you and in you, that's when it sticks. Granted, even the things that I'm saying or somebody, maybe your wife or your husband or, or your child will say something that spurs something inside of you. That's doing an internal work, right? So, so receive the words from others to do an internal work. In other words, he's, he's, he's making it very clear that you changing your ex, external behavior or altering it just so you don't get caught again is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, is allowing God the Holy Spirit do the inside work through us to where it sticks and it actually makes us different. It alters us completely. It's a new covenant. It's not an enhancement on the old one. It's a new covenant that he's making with us. And that's awesome. That frees you and I up to just let God do work in you and I. For one, I'm not responsible for you. You are responsible for letting God do the work inside of you. If it were the old covenant, all of your souls would be on my head. All that provoked was pride in the priests. Do you see it now? The new covenant says no. Let God do work inside of you. Let God do the work inside of me. And that's great news. So when we humbly repent and we humbly stand and walk before God in this manner, all we're going to do is love one another. All we're going to do is encourage one another. All we're going to do is help one another. That's all we're going to do. Because that's written in our hearts. God did that. God wrote that. And that's awesome. And I love it when I see it. I love it when I see God doing it in me. I love it when I see God doing it in you. Don't you? Yes. Amen. That's re really great news. So this Jeremiah 31, 31 really is, is it's saying exactly what Jesus is saying. Bringing to light a new covenant. And it's a covenant of the kingdom of God that requires humble repentance for him to work within us. And here's the, here's the great news. This is even, it's, you get, it, I mean, I think it opens up everything because it's like, as you and I are changed into the image of Christ, we are altered into his image where we are transformed. We are, we are made new in his image. That's where the world actually changes. The world actually is drawn to that, drawn to something real and genuine. 
because religion drives people away. It's just another set of rules. Whereas this internal movement where people look like Jesus. It's one of the best phrases, one of the, one of the, most, the biggest compliments that we as a church can get, or me as a person can get, or you as a person can get, is you really show me what Jesus looks like there. I've seen Jesus there. Because when we see Jesus, that's when people's lives are changed. Lives are made new. That's where the power of God steps in. And because the kingdom of God is not just a matter of a bunch of talk. It's not just us just talking about it. It's the power of God transforming lives. Amen? Amen. That's a sticky hand amen if I ever heard one. That was good. Let me read this last passage of scripture and, uh, and maybe talk about it for just a second because I think it's fantastic. It's Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. It says, this is Paul writing to the church in Colossae. He says, I'm always giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. <laughs> Isn't that awesome news? He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Amen. This is the kingdom of God at work within us. Let's stay in the lane. And I think, that, as I said, the best and the most, the most important part of staying in the lane is walking in repentance with humility. Just let the Holy Spirit, that's what I believe God is going to do for you this morning. There, there it is. When you give the Holy Spirit the permission to direct you. I'm just going to encourage you to where I, I believe that there's going to be some things that are going to happen this week in your lives. And I want to encourage you to walk humble in them. Please, I want to encourage you to walk humble. To receive what God is doing with humility and open it up to say, God, how do you want me to do something different in this place, in this, this specific spot in my life, in my mind's thoughts, in my heart's motives? How do you want me to go about this? And I believe when we ask him that with a genuine, real heart of wanting to know, he will answer you. If the heart's motive is not correct, he'll deal with that. And that too is love because he loves you and he is really good. So let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we are so thankful, thankful for your grace, your grace which is so sufficient, your grace which actually just even, even in this very moment gives us life, life that we definitely don't deserve and we for sure haven't earned, but it's life that you have chosen to give us and this life is a Zoe life. It's a God life. It's a life that's full of you. Full of you and full of purpose and abundance. And we are so thankful 
that it's you, Holy Spirit, that lives inside of us, that dwells within our midst, that, that, that permeates every little nook and cranny, that gets into the stuff that, that I don't even know, didn't even realize existed there, and you get there. Not only do you get there, but you heal there because you are good. Wherever you show up, healing takes place. In the depths of my heart, the issues of my soul, even the aches and pains in my body, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. And we praise your name. Hallelujah and amen. Amen.